0: The following is a message by Professor Josh Van E. of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at westcal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. Dear Heavenly Father, We come and we pray that you will instruct us through your word this morning and you will edify us and encourage us and strengthen us in our faith. And uh, we pray that you bless all of the rest of our activities in this day. May they be glorifying to you. And we pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So today we continue on in the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 1, and, uh, and I was assigned uh, starting with verse 10 through, uh, of chapter 1 verse 10 through verse 24. So listen to God's word. Am I now seeking the favor of men or of God, or am I trying to please men? If I were pleasing men, I should not be a servant of Christ. For I would, not, I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and had called me through his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia, and again I returned to Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, and remained there uh, with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you, before God I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, And I was still not known by sight to the churches of Christ in Judea. They only heard it said, He who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Last week, Dr. Baugh directed our our attention to the gospel, its importance as Paul brought his severe warning against any who would change it, his anathema. And, uh, and our text really flows out of that. It really flows out of what really Paul started right at the beginning. Um, but Paul is mounting this defense of the gospel that he has preached. And as we look at how he defends it, I think it's helpful... To maybe say two things that he's not doing here. He's not defending his own reputation. And he's not giving his personal testimony. Now let's look at those two things. Not his reputation. Paul in our passage is not trying to. Just remove the smears that some have uh, put against him. Instead he's. Defending the gospel. And this is what uh, uh, Professor Joel Kim emphasized two weeks ago as he introduced this. Um, but we can see this in verse 10 there. As it flows out, which is really very connected with 6 through 8. Paul has just made these very stern warnings. And then what does he tell them? Am I now seeking the favor of men? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still pleasing men, I should not be a servant of Christ. Paul's saying, I'm not a man pleaser. Now, some must have been saying that, we think. That uh, they were possibly accusing him of coming to the, gen- to the Gentiles and trying to tone down the gospel. You know, it's a lot to come and say, oh, you've got to be circumcised, you've got to do this, this, and this, oh, and faith faith saves you too. Um, Some were saying, no, Paul, you've you've come in and and you've tried to remove all of the stumbling blocks. You've tried to tone down this gospel. and, uh, And these were really the Judaizers, the ones who thought that even the Gentiles, they still needed to keep the works of the law in order to be saved. And so they're saying, Paul, you're just a man pleaser. And he says, I just called down anathemas. I'm not here to please men. I just called down God's condemnation against anyone who would change this. Do you think I'm really worried about what men think? Or am I worried about what God thinks? Am I a servant of man or a servant of God? A servant of Christ? So he is not this man-pleaser. That's what he really confronts there first. And then he develops that by setting forth his his, uh, real argument in 11 and 12 and then strengthening it. So in 11, we, we find the substance of what Paul's going to argue. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not kata anthropon, it is not according to men, uh, it's not man's gospel, it's not from man, it's not by man's authority, it's not kata anthropon. And this is, this is a, a phrase he uses elsewhere when he, when he wants to say, well I'm going to use an argument that is according to human wisdom, or I'm going to use uh, you know, uh, an, an argument that's according to that of men. Um, and so we see him using this elsewhere. And it's very, you know, it's, it's subpar when compared with the divine. Um, when, uh, and, uh, and so he uses that elsewhere. And so he really wants to emphasize the gospel I'm preaching, that's not how it came about. Instead, verse 12 For I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it, i.e. by man. Instead, it came through a revelation of Jesus Christ. This gospel which he preached, he really wants to emphasize there's something unique in the way he got it. It wasn't that he was taught it. It wasn't that someone gave it to him. Right? It was direct. Direct revelation from God is how he received this gospel he has. And, uh, and so as, as we think about that, what is, why is that so important for him? What is he trying to do with that? We come into this next section, starting with verse 13, and we could very easily look at it and say, oh, this is a good, good model for it personal testimonies, right? What does he do? He starts out, I was really bad, I was a Judaizer, I persecuted the church, and then God saved me, and now I'm preaching the good news, and um, And everybody's praising God because of that. And that's all true. But that's not what Paul is doing here. And we see that because where is the buildup to? What is Paul building up to? What's this punch that he wants them to see? As we look in 13 and 14, and then 15 and 16, we, you know, he talks about his former life, then 15, he talks about being set apart and being saved. But the punch isn't really that I was saved. It's right there at the second half of verse 16. All of this happened, but I did not confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia, and again I returned to Damascus. So the real punch is, I didn't talk to anybody. I went away and hid. I went... I mean, Arabia is maybe not a bad place to go, Damascus. Um, But that's really the punch. All of this happened and and I went out to the desert. I didn't talk to anybody. Didn't confer with anybody. Well, why is that so important for Paul? What is he really trying to do there? Well, it again goes back to his defense of his gospel that he's preaching. This gospel that he's preaching, he wants to show his authority in doing this. Paul is really arguing by this, I have the same authority as the apostles, as the twelve. I have that same authority. And it's because I wasn't taught by them. Instead, God came to me through his revelation. He came to me in a direct way. He equipped me in that. I didn't receive it from man. I wasn't taught by man. I was taught, right, or I received it by revelation. And so, Paul isn't recounting here his personal salvation history. He's recounting his place in redemptive history, that he has a special role. He is an apostle, something unique in the church. He is an apostle specially to the Gentiles. That is his place in redemptive history. He has this unique position that he is equal to the 12. His authority is equal to theirs. And it's not that his gospel's different. That's not what Paul is saying. And we'll see that later on as Paul brings that out in, in chapter 2, even more so. But he is in many ways an independent witness to it. His authority stands apart from theirs. He's an independent witness to it. And so, if it is being distorted even by the 12, he can stand up against them, as we'll see later in chapter 2. And, uh, and so if we, if we look at the details in this section, now that we kind of have the thrust of what Paul's doing, we see in 13 and 14 as he talks about his former time in Judaism. How does that play into his argument? Well, it's not... it does show his sinfulness, how, how much God changed him. But if anyone was predisposed to keep the mosaic, to want to push these mosaic laws onto the Gentiles, it would have been this Paul. And I could argue also if anyone was there who, uh, who would want to, to have the authority of men behind him. He was the one who was zealous for what? the tradition of the fathers. But what happened when he was called and he was shown this revelation changed everything. Changed everything for Paul. And, and as we go into 15 and 16, he here um, is alluding, I think, and many other, others would argue too, to the prophetic calls that we find in the Old Testament. Especially Jeremiah. Jeremiah who says in Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb. I knew you. Before you were born. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet. To the nations. And, uh, and Paul sees that same. His authority is because of what God. Appointed for him. How God set him apart. And now. God fulfilled that in his good pleasure and timing when he revealed himself to him. And that is why he has this authority. And, uh, and so um, in 18 and following, he, he fills it out. I did go up, I did visit briefly with uh, Cephas, that is Peter, um, but none of the others. And, uh, and not only that, right, I then went out and... Verse 22, none of those Judean churches, right? Which is really that heartland where where Christianity spread from. They didn't know me. They didn't know my face. I was unknown by them. To really show his independent witness. They only heard. They heard and they praised God because they recognized what I was doing. That it was of God and it was the true gospel. And so as we we conclude this, I think we we often need to be reminded uh, that the narrative isn't necessarily normative, that God does unique things in redemptive history. We we don't have the calling of Paul. Paul. He was an apostle, that foundational level, that level that uh, founded the church. And, uh, and so we ought not to expect our own direct revelation. He would see himself as unique in that. That's what gave him the authority he had. Uh, but we can also then come and we can take what we've been given and have confidence in it. That this is God's word. This is what Paul worked to defend. And, and what the other apostles. Um, what they preached. We have their good word. And so we need to guard it. As, uh, as we were exhorted last week. We need to cling to it. And we need to as we develop this very much cling to our freedom in Christ. We've been saved by grace, through faith, apart from the law. Let none add to it. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way that you raised up your apostles, you raised up the Apostle Paul to found your church, And we pray that you will make us faithful in what you have called us to do as we go about the many tasks that you give to us, using the abilities that you give to us to spread the good news, the same good news that Paul preached, that we now preach in this world, this world that needs it so much. And so we pray that you will bless our efforts. In Jesus' name.